Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. The sports world keeps spinning, and the local conversation continues. Now, Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. And a very good Friday evening to you, Jacksonville. It is Hacker After Dark, 1010XL, 92.5 FM, an earlier edition of Hacker After Dark with you from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock this evening. Certainly glad you are with us. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. We are less than 24 hours away from the AFC Divisional Playoff at Arrowhead in Kansas City. The Jaguars and the Chiefs for only the sixth time in 28 years. The Jaguars have made the Divisional Round of the Playoffs. They are 3-2 and two in their previous five Divisional Playoff matchups. And let's hope they get to 4-2 and two Tomorrow, As you can imagine, we got a full guest lineup. It looks like this. Coming up in about 15 minutes, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts will join me. Always love talking ball with Cecil as we will take a look at the Jaguars and the Chiefs. Later on in the 6 o'clock hour, former Super Bowl winning defensive lineman. You see him on ESPN. Chris Canty will join me to talk about Trevor Lawrence, talk about Doug Peterson, talk about the Jaguars, and how would he go about stopping Patrick Mahomes in this Kansas City Chief offense. In the 7 o'clock hour, former Florida State defensive back and a Super Bowl winner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Bryant McFadden. You see him all over CBS Sports HQ. He also hosts the All Things Covered podcast. We'll get Bryant's perspective on the AFC playoffs as a whole. And finally, at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour, my guy Jordan DeJani of CBSSports.com as we will take one final look, not only at the Jaguars and the Chiefs, but at the rest of the NFL playoff landscape. So it's all Jaguars, Chiefs all the time tonight, less than 24 hours before kickoff in Kansas City. Every night here on Hacker After Dark, we do give you a big deal of the night. And Dylan Denmark. Let's do that right now. Time now for the big deal of the night. What's the big deal? What is the big deal? No big deal. It is a big deal. On Hacker After Dark. All right. I will tell you guys this. I have made the rounds on Kansas City Radio this week. They have two sports radio stations. I've done four hits. Two on each of them. Well, three so far. I'm actually doing one more after the show here tonight. And what I've gathered by the three times I've been on Kansas City Radio, and it's no offense to those guys, we'd be doing the same thing if we were the nine-point favorite. A lot of confidence oozing out of Kansas City. I've heard the comment that if you were to tell Chief fans three weeks ago that all they have to do is beat the Jacksonville Jaguars to get to their sixth consecutive AFC championship game, They would like their chances. I can understand that. I'm sure you can too. They remember the Jaguars, what they were on November 13th. I've been warning them. I've been warning them every time I've went on out there with our neighbors to the Midwest. I've been warning them. This is not the same Jaguar team. 
This is a Jaguar team playing with much more confidence. This is a Jaguar team that is just simply better than they were back in week number 10. The question is, though, how can Jacksonville win this game? We can talk to any guest. We can analyze it any which way. It comes down to what needs to happen for the Jaguars to win. And I go back to Kansas City's earlier losses. Kansas City lost to Buffalo this year. They lost to Cincinnati this year. And they lost to Indianapolis this year. And what happened in all three of those games? In all three of those games, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Colts all ran the heck out of the ball. Now, Indianapolis wasn't very successful running the ball, but they ran it a ton. I think they ran it 30 times. Cincinnati and Buffalo also ran it. They were successful. So what does that do? It obviously keeps Patrick Mahomes off the field, and it keeps the clock going. You want this football game tomorrow to be a two-hour and 45-minute football game. You want this game to go quick. Fewer possessions, the better. I've heard people say you got to outscore Kansas City. You're not going to outscore Kansas City. Buffalo tried that last year in the divisional round. How'd that work out for him? I don't think that's the recipe, particularly with this Jaguar team. You know, if you win the coin toss tomorrow, I was telling Denmark this earlier. Everybody defers, right? Everybody defers. Boy, if Jacksonville wins that coin toss tomorrow, I would really think about taking the ball. Because what has Jacksonville done time and time and time again this year? Those long 13, 14, 15 play, seven, eight-minute drives. If you take the ball and you go on one of those 13-play, seven-minute drives resulting in some type of points, you've taken half the first quarter and you've gotten a lead. That, to me, is the perfect scenario. I don't want to defer the ball, get Mahomes the ball, and Eight plays later, four minutes later, Chiefs are in the end zone and it's 7-0. To me, it's about survival to halftime. Survive to halftime. That crowd is going to be ramped up tomorrow. They are going to be all sorts of fired up. They're more rested than Jacksonville. Jacksonville needs to be within 10 points at the half. That, to me, is the cutoff. If Kansas City is winning by 10 or less, or obviously if Jacksonville's winning at halftime, I'll take it right now. If Kansas City is up by 13 or more at the half, obviously there are problems. But if you tell me right now Kansas City's up a touchdown at halftime tomorrow, I would take it. If you tell me right now Kansas City's up 10 tomorrow, I wouldn't be happy, but I would take it survive until halftime. Because what has Doug Peterson proven all year? All year. The third quarter is the Jaguars' quarter, man. They go in that locker room, they make adjustments, and they make things happen in the third quarter. That's why, to me, it's about survival until halftime. Now, you look at it tomorrow, what would a win do? A win would do so much. So much. 
a win would establish the Jaguars as a contender right now. The house money comments would be over. They would be one win away from a Super Bowl. It would mean back-to-back wins over Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. It would arguably, arguably, be the biggest win in franchise history. Certainly there are some others in the conversation. But a win would be unreal. Because truthfully, as much as we're hoping, how many of us are truly expecting the Jaguars to win tomorrow? I know you're a fan. I know you want them to win. You're hoping for the best. Do you honestly think they're going to win tomorrow? I think it's going to be close. I think they can win. But I don't know if they're going to win. But a win would be unreal. If they lose tomorrow, does it really do anything? Does it take away the run the Jaguars have been on? Of course not. I was thinking about this today. Was this the greatest home slate of games and finishes the Jaguars have ever had? From the Baltimore two-point conversion and the Justin Tucker field goal miss to the Rayshon Jenkins pick six to the Tennessee Titans Josh Allen fumble return to the 27-point comeback Heck, even in the loss to the Giants, Christian Kirk got tackled at the one-yard line. It has been insane, the memories that we have made this season with this team. We're no longer adding up wins and losses since 2012. There's no need for that. They've turned the corner, man. They're the AFC South champion, and they're the team that knocked out the Los Angeles Chargers last week. I'm not going to be happy if they lose tomorrow. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't believe a loss tomorrow will take anything away from what has clearly been the most enjoyable Jaguar season since 2017. And you could argue this season maybe has been more enjoyable than 2017 was. Certainly in the conversation. The differences between this season and 2017, well, there's one big one. In 2017, as much as we enjoyed that, look at that offense. Your wide receivers were Keelan Cole, Marquis Lee, Alan Hearns, D.D. Westbrook. Your tight ends were Mercedes Lewis and Ben Koyak. Your offensive line was Jeremy Parnell, right? at one of the tackle spots. Cam Robinson was a rookie. A.J. Can was on there. I've even forgot some of the other guys that were on there. It wasn't a memorable line. Brandon Linder, I guess, was the center. And Blake Bortles was the quarterback. Now, you thought the defense was built, and that obviously crumbled in front of our eyes a year or two later. But the difference between this team and that team is this, I believe, is much more sustainable. Trevor Lawrence isn't going anywhere. Christian Kirk's not going anywhere. Travis Etienne's not going anywhere. Zay Jones isn't going anywhere. You're going to have to figure out the Evan Ingram situation. He's your most uh, 
prized free agent. You're going to have to figure out some things on defense, but this thing looks like it's just the beginning of a pretty good run for the Jaguars. And you see the excitement in this city. You see that send-off earlier today down at the stadium. We haven't seen anything like that since 2017. It's been fun to be a Jaguar fan again. It's been fun to cover this team again, and that doesn't change regardless of what happens tomorrow, but if they win tomorrow, oh boy. And if they go to Arrowhead and if they knock out Patrick Mahomes, who's undefeated in the divisional round, oh boy. That will be some fifth quarter tomorrow night. And I don't know this, so don't say Hacker said this. I have no way of knowing But if they win tomorrow night, I can't imagine there won't be some sort of get-together because this city will be over the top tomorrow with a Jaguar win. We're with it at 8 o'clock. We're two hours early tonight, normally 8 to 10. Tonight, 6 to 8 because Baloo was filling in there on the Frangie Show. He'll be back with you at Monday night at 6 o'clock. Coming up next, former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts. We'll talk Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, the run the Jaguars are on. Later on in the 6 o'clock hour, former Super Bowl winner on the defensive line. You see him on ESPN right now, Chris Canty. He will join us as well as it's all Jaguars, Chiefs, all the time as we are inside of 24 hours. Kickoff, 4.30 tomorrow. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Our pregame coverage begins tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., And that'll take you all the way through the game broadcast and the fifth quarter with Dave Campo, Leon Searcy, and myself two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final tomorrow night. It is a Friday. It is Jacksonville, Florida. It is the AFC Divisional Playoffs. And former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts is next on Hacker After Dark. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs tomorrow, 4.30 in the afternoon. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that knows all about playing big-time games in the NFL, former Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver, our buddy Cecil Shorts, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Cecil, how we doing, man? RG, I'm doing all right, man. How about you? Cecil, we are good. You and I were talking last Saturday night via text message. Uh, look, you played in this league for a lot of years, man. You ever seen any comeback like that? That was one for the ages. That was uh, that was phenomenal, man. Like, that was something. I'm sitting there throwing stuff at the TV, like, what's happening? <laughs> I go for, you know, take my kids, send them to bed. I'm like, man, I can't believe this. Sit back down and then, like, what is happening? We're going to come back and, and, get, and get this dub. Um, but it shows the fight. It shows the belief. It shows the, uh, the, the, the trust in each other. Because those guys could have easily given up. You're down, what, 27 nothing? I think it was? Yeah, like, 27 nothing in the first half. Three, three first half interceptions and or first quarter interceptions, excuse me. Um, 
that can kill a team. That can kill a young quarterback. That can kill a, a, a young roster, um, especially in a big setting, a big primetime game like that. So for them to be able to fight back, um, to trust in that quarterback to come back and make the throws and make the plays um, in a defense stepping up in that second half, it was it was amazing. You know, one of the things I don't think has been talked about enough this week is it's not like the Chargers handed the Jaguars anything, right? The Chargers didn't commit any turnovers. The Jaguars had to drive, you know, full-length yeah. fields to make the comeback, yeah. and it was no problem. Trevor did exactly that. I mean, what does that say about him as a young quarterback? He's special. He's special, like like legitimately special. Like he is living up to his number one overall. He's living up to what everybody thought about him at Clemson. He's living up to what everybody thought about him coming out of high school, um, and that's rare. And for him to put together drives, to make tough third down throws, to uh, be able to sit in the pocket after after you throw three first half interceptions or three first quarter interceptions, excuse me, and be able to sit back there and still digest the defense. Most guys are thrown off. Young guys. After you throw three picks, mentally you're gone. You can't see the defense. Everything is going fast forward. He was able to slow it down, find the right read, find the oh, number one's not open, number two's not open, open oh, number three is here. Know exactly where the guys are and drop dimes. And his guys trusted him. I mean, Doug, Doug Peterson, come on, man, come on. He he didn't he didn't flinch one bit. They were able to march down the field multiple times. I mean, the last drive of the game, unreal unreal like it was it was it was amazing it was, it was really fun to watch former jaguar wide receiver cecil shorts here with us on 1010 xl in jacksonville cecil let's talk about your position the wide receiver slash tight end although heck you could almost consider evan ingram to be a wide receiver at this point last week those three guys christian kirk zay jones evan ingram 25 catches over 230 yards and three touchdowns. As good as Trevor was, uh, you throw Travis Etienne in there as well, throw Marvin Jones mm -hmm. in there as well. My goodness, the playmakers made plays last week. And that's what you need. You know what I mean? And during their uh, – after the rough start, that's what, you, that's what you've seen. You've seen Evan Ingram have the best year of his career. You've seen Zay Jones make a name for himself. That's why you paid Christian Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk all that money to come here and be able to make plays down the field from the slot from outside. He's these guys are, are making plays, but what's happening is they're gelling, right? That, that camaraderie, um, they're trusting each other. Uh, Trevor is trusting them to be in the right spot, trusting them to make plays. And once you build confidence, it, it's, it's over with, man. Like these guys are sailing high right now. They're riding high right now. Like it's hard to beat a really confident team. We, we talked about this last week, right? I'm like, you're a dangerous team when you're hot going into the playoffs. You're a dangerous team when you believe in yourself in the playoffs. You're a dangerous team when you are confident as a offense, as a defense, a special team. Like, you're a dangerous team when that comes. But these guys are making play after play after play. Um, and it wasn't, just, it wasn't just last Saturday. It was for the last, what, two, three months. So it's, it's been impressive for sure. You know, Cecil, again, you look at what the Jaguars have done, seven out of eight and six in a row on the, on the win column. And the comebacks, right? The Baltimore comeback, the Dallas comeback, the Tennessee comeback, and obviously last week. Now, in no way, shape, or form do you want anything like that to happen against Kansas City. But in the event that it does tomorrow and the Jaguars fall behind early, I get the sense there's not going to be a lot of panic because the Jaguars have been in that situation many, many times as of late. 
Yeah, it, it, it won't be panic, but you're playing against probably the best quarterback in the game. <laughs> with the, probably the best offensive mind in the game with Andy Reid and Eric Behenemy and all those guys together. Um, it's, it's going to be extremely tough task if you don't come out and have a better start than you did uh, the first time you played Kansas City um, and last week uh, and all the comebacks that you talked about. You have to come out hot and play uh, good football because Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, uh, Jet McKeon, all those guys – once to me, I look at them like the Golden State Warriors. Once they get rolling and get a run going, it's just it's over. There's nothing you can do about it. Once they get hot, there's nothing you can do about it. So, and I'm not knocking the Jaguars' defense at all. It's just you cannot start the game with turnovers like you did last week. You know what I mean? You as confident as they'll be, um, and I'm pretty sure they won't panic. At some point in time, when you continue to start like that or have games like that, it's going to catch up to you, right? Um, but to answer your question, no, they, they won't be in panic mode. I don't think, um, but I don't think they want to be in that position either against Patrick Mahomes and those guys. A couple of more for former Jaguar wide receiver, Cecil short Cecil. I think there's a, a disconnect and obviously the players and the, you know, the organization doesn't think this way, but we're talking to the fans right now. I mean, they were three and seven on Thanksgiving, right? They were four and eight and, and now they've won six in a row and it's almost kind of a pinch yourself moment they're in the divisional playoffs in Arrowhead in late January I mean how did this even even happen there's a thought in the city from some fans that well even if they go to Kansas City and get boat race tomorrow the season has still been an unbelievable success fans can think that but in no way shape or form are they thinking that in that locker room correct no 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 they once you um, and I think the fans are right for thinking that, right? The start that you mentioned, um, you're still trying to, with a new head coach, you're trying to figure things out. So I think you overachieved. Um, and I think you're playing well, which can, I think would transfer to next season. I think it will be a good transition into next season, right? If you go up there tomorrow and so you have a good fight and you lose. But at the same time, those players in that locker room, the coach in that locker room, that belief is real. Like that belief right now is like, hey, we can be anybody. Like we believe in ourselves. We trust our quarterback. We trust our defense. We know anybody at any point can make a play down the field, can make a big play. We can run the ball. We can pass the ball. We can have our kick returners break it. Like they they believe in themselves and they believe that they're gonna find a way to win. And right now, they have nothing to lose. They're not even supposed to be in the playoffs. They're not even supposed to be in this position. Nobody's picking them to beat Kansas City in Kansas City at Arrowhead. Nobody's picking them. But so they have nothing to lose. But in their mind, it's like, hey, once you win the playoffs and once you get that first win, it's like, hey, we can do this. You're, you're shooting for it one game at a time, but you're shooting for the Super Bowl. That's what you play for. Like That's what every NFL team, every NFL player, every NFL coach, every NFL trainer, every NFL fan, that's what you want, the Super Bowl. So when you're one step closer, and to be honest, in 2017, it was a half away. <laughs> like you're one step closer, you, you want it. So in that locker room, they're, they're hungry right now. It's one step at a time, but they're, they're hungry for that Super Bowl, for sure. Final moments here with former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Short. Cecil, I'm sure at one point in your career you went to Arrowhead. We've heard about the environment. What is Arrowhead like? Because uh, by all indications, <laughs> it's one of the loudest places, if not the loudest in the NFL. Ryan, it is nuts, man. Um, I got a chance to play there a couple of times. And it's one of my favorite stadiums to play because the atmosphere. The Chiefs fans are going to be crazy. They're going to be loud. 
I don't know how if the stadium's built that way on purpose. I know Seattle is, but it's built that to be that loud. It's hard to hear. It, it's gonna be amazing, man. It, it's gonna be so much fun for the players, so much fun for the fans that travel, the traveling Jaguar fans that, tra- that are traveling there. And it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be an awesome, awesome atmosphere. Probably gonna be cold, but it's gonna be an awesome, awesome atmosphere, man. And and that's what you want as a player. That, that's what you want as a fan. You want to um, have your team in the second round of the playoffs, going against one of the best teams uh, in the last decade. Going against one of the best quarterbacks, going against going against one of the best uh, uh, organizations, right? That's what you want. You want to be them. So to have a chance to go up to there and knock them, go up to their f- facility and knock them off in Arrowhead, oh, oh man, th- th- this this is what you want. So it's huge. See, so it's not rocket science, man. You look at the games the Chiefs have lost this year: Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Indy. All three of those teams either ran the ball for a lot of yardage or just ran the ball a lot. Indy didn't gain a lot, but they ran it like 30 times. Uh, As much as we're talking about Trevor and the passing game, whether it's ETN, Jamichael Hasty, maybe a little Jamal Agnew in there, Snoop Connor, whatever you got to do, you got to run the ball, right, to keep Mahomes on the sideline. I would even add Trevor Lawrence in there. You know what I mean? Because he's able to move the ball with his legs as well. But to keep Mahomes on the sideline, you said it, you got to run the football. You got to run the ball 30 or 35 times. Eat that clock up. Keep him on the sideline. That's how you beat him. You keep him on the sideline. And when you're driving down the field, eating that clock up, wearing the defense down, you have to score touchdowns. You can't be field goals because they, they they can score like this. <laughs> they can score like, you know, like like Golden State shoots threes. They, they can score quickly. But you got to score touchdowns. It can't be field goals. So long drives, running that football, pounding the rock, eating that clock up, converting third down, and then punching in the end zone. Then score touchdowns, right? I love Trevor. I think he has an extremely bright future. I love the playmakers that you mentioned, but we're going we're gonna to need that backfield to tote the rock. We need that offensive line to push that defensive line back. And they, by doing that and converting on third down and scoring touchdowns at the end of the drive, you're keeping Mahomes off the field. Now the pressure is on him. The pressure is already on the Chiefs, right? But now as the pressure mounts more when he has to go out there and produce every single drive. See, so I'm kind of a superstitious guy. I had you on last week. They beat the Chargers. I got you on today. <laughs> if they beat Kansas City, I guarantee you I am calling you next week before the AFC Championship game. How about that? Sounds good, brother. Sounds good, man. Hey, Cecil, always appreciate it, man. Take care. We'll hopefully talk soon. All right. Take care, RG. That's one of the good guys, man. Cecil Shorts, always appreciate him joining us here on Hacker After Dark. And uh, look, you know, you heard him. That's a guy that's played at Arrowhead. The environment is what it's cracked up to be. You got to take that crowd out of the game. And how do you do that? By getting on them early. Look, how about this? How about this for a change? How about the Jaguars actually go out there and get a lead? I mean, think about this. Think about the run they've been on. Falling behind 10-0 to Tennessee. Falling behind 27-0 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Falling behind 3-0 to New York. Remember that on that Thursday night. Then if you want to go all the way back to Dallas, they're down 27-10 in that one. I mean, the Jaguars really don't know what it's like during this six-game winning streak to have a lead against a team that was not awful. I know they dominated Houston, but aside from that, they have had to come from behind and fight and scratch and claw for everything that they've gotten in this six-game winning streak. Well, it'd be awful nice to be the first team with points on the board tomorrow. That's why, again, if it were me, 
I would strongly, strongly consider if I win the coin toss, taking the ball. I know you don't get it second half, and I get that. But if you feel good about your first 15 plays, you take that ball, you drive down, you get points, you take five or six minutes off of that clock. It's a much better start than if you defer, you give it to Mahomes, he drives down and scores, and you're down 7 nothing four minutes into the game. So even from the opening coin toss, there will be a lot of strategy involved with the Jaguars and Kansas City. Former Super Bowl champion, you see him on ESPN, now Chris Canty. He will join us in just a moment as we will talk Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence, the Kansas City side of this matchup, and obviously the great run the Jaguars have been on. It's a Friday night on Hacker After Dark, an early edition of Hacker After Dark, normally 8 to 10 tonight, 6 to 8. Baloo was on with the folks from the Frangie show earlier as both Frank and Hayes on their way to Kansas City for the AFC Divisional Playoff game tomorrow. A reminder, you can stream Hacker After Dark every night on YouTube. Just search 1010XL on YouTube. You'll see the show there until 8 o'clock this evening. Likewise, on Twitter, at 1010XL on Twitter, you'll see the show there until 8 o'clock tonight. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you. Let's talk to a man that's won a Super Bowl. You see him on ESPN, Chris Canty. He's next. Hacker After Dark on a Friday, and we're glad you're with us, Jacksonville. Now, another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line, brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs, Saturday afternoon, 4.30 in the AFC Divisional Playoff. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. Let's talk to a man that knows all about playing big-time playoff games in the NFL. You see him now on ESPN, former NFL defensive lineman Chris Canty, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Chris, how we doing, man? I'm doing great, Ryan. I know you guys got to be excited down at Jacksonville. The Jaguars being able to advance to the divisional round. And Trevor Lawrence growing up right before our eyes in that game against the Chargers this past Saturday. The way that he weathered the storm, got through the early adversity with the interceptions and had a dazzling second half. I, I mean, he's showing us that he's capable of being a franchise quarterback. Chris, you obviously had a lot of success in your days in the National Football League. Man, let me ask you, from 3-7 and seven, where the Jaguars were on Thanksgiving to now 10-8 and eight and in the AFC Divisional Playoff, how does something like that happen? Coaching. When you have an adult in the room at the head coaching spot, it's amazing how you can see the difference in overall player development and the change in the culture that's been down there with that organization. And Doug Peterson has been known to be good with working with young quarterbacks, but he's also been able to transition franchises from losing cultures to winning cultures. And he's shown the ability to be able to win at the highest level, but more so than any of the, any of that stuff, Ryan, the fact that Doug Peterson does have a Super Bowl on his resume gives a level of credibility to him in that locker room amongst those players that, that you just can't, you can't, overstate because players want the answers to the test. They want to know that what the head coach is laying out in terms of your path to victory is something that you can trust when you get out there and it's time to execute. Former NFL defensive lineman, you see him 
all over the ESPN family of networks now. Chris Canty here with us on 1010XL. Chris, it's a dual combination, right? Doug Peterson's certainly a big part of it, and you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Go back to London, the loss to Denver, and Trevor will admit as such, Chris, that he was bad in that game. And I don't know what went through his mind on that flight home from London to Jacksonville, but after that loss that dropped the Jaguars to 2-6, and six, Trevor Lawrence has just simply been a different quarterback. And what he did last week in responding from four picks in the first half to four touchdowns and leading a team back from 27 points down, I mean, good grief, man. That'll be talked about for a long time. No question about it. And if you want to go back to that game against the Denver Broncos, I think the turnovers, especially the one in the red zone, is what Trevor Lawrence is thinking about in terms of making sure that he doesn't hurt his team when it comes to giving them an opportunity to win. Like, not having those self-inflicted wounds makes a difference in terms of your team's overall ability to have success, especially this time of year. Now, we see every quarterback struggle in their playoff debut, but the fact that Trevor Lawrence was able to flush the first half and move on to the second half speaks volumes about his sports character. And that's a guy that you can believe in, not only going into this week in Arrowhead, which is going to be a tough environment, but for years to come down there in Jacksonville. Chris, I want to get into this game this weekend, but but certainly, you know, team of destiny, I, I don't know about that. I don't even really like that term, but I will admit there are some odd things that have happened here in Jacksonville this year. They hadn't won in Nashville in nine years. They finally go to Nashville and win. They hadn't beat an NFC team in like 20 tries. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. In that game, they came back from 27-10 down late in the third to win it on a pick six in overtime. They're down 10 in the AFC South championship game, have a defensive score with three minutes to go to win that game. And then we all know what happened against the Chargers last week. Team of destiny, Chris, I don't know. But certainly there's a lot of belief in that locker room that something is going on here this year. Yeah, I don't think it's a team of destiny situation. I think this is a team that's finding themselves on the right side of close ball games, And that's the biggest learning curve in the NFL, trying to figure out how to win close games because the average margin of victory in the NFL is three points. So, I mean, you got to learn how to win close games, and it comes down to executing in those key moments. And that level of consistency when it comes to executing when those moments presents itself, it's something that's hard to grasp. And for a young team, it's hard to get to that point. But what gives you a chance to have a better understanding of that is having a head coach that's been there before. And I think that's the impact that you're seeing Doug Peterson have, and it's played out in the second half of this season couple of more for former NFL defensive lineman Chris Canty. You see him now on the ESPN family of networks as one of their NFL analysts. Chris, on the defensive side of the ball, your specialty, boy, whether it's Josh Allen, Arden Key, Roy Robertson-Harris, Trayvon Walker, Devon Hamilton. I mean, the Jaguar front seven, they are getting to the opposing quarterback in a big way here as of late. No doubt about it. And the thing that's the most impressive is they're all tied together, right? Those guys are doing a great job of coordinating when it comes to their rush plan. And you have to be that way if you're going to get the opposing quarterback on the ground. You've got to be tied together. You have to have rush lane integrity. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, Foley Fatukasi, he was a guy that was with the Jets. I, I followed his career closely when he was up here for Gang Green. But he's a guy that gives you a lot of interior push. Uh, you know, you got Roy Robertson-Harris. Like, he's another one of those guys from Chicago 
but gives you a little bit of wiggle from the defensive tackle position, especially when he lines up over that guard and that three technique. And then you got your guys that Bernie is and Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, but all of those guys showing up in the playoff game against the Chargers makes a difference. And they're going to have to show up in an even bigger way going into Arrowhead because you're dealing with a completely different animal in Pat Mahomes, a guy that's in line to win his second MVP, and he's only been in the league, what, six years? So this is going to be different than what the Jaguars have faced last week. Uh, but that defensive line is what's going to have to be the equalizer for that Jags defense in order to give them a chance to win this ballgame. Chris, let's talk about Arrowhead. I know you certainly played in that stadium. Now the Chiefs did not have Patrick Mahomes when you played them, but still some good ball clubs nevertheless. What do you believe that environment will be like for the Jaguars, who a lot of these guys will be making their first road trip in a postseason environment? Ryan, it's going to be as loud as any stadium in the National Football League. It's loud, and you have to be prepared for that. And people always think about how that this impacts the offense, but it also impacts the defense in terms of communication and all those things that you don't think about the defense having to overcome the noise because the, the home offense is on the field, but that's also a thing. So being tied together with your hand signals, um, being able to make sure that you're communicating at the line of scrimmage in real time is going to be critical in terms of making sure everybody is on the same page, executing the same call. And so that's the thing that I look for with a young football team can they handle that type of environment? It's going to be different than when they went there in the regular season. This crowd is going to be juiced up. The speed of the game, the intensity of the game picks up even from round to round in the postseason. And so the Kansas City Chiefs are an organization that's been there and done that. This is for this core of players with the Jacksonville Jaguars, their first foray into this type of environment. How they manage that early is going to set the tone for what's going to happen on the field. Uh, this weekend as we begin to wrap up with Chris Canty Chris Mike Caldwell the Jaguar defensive coordinator um, what's the game plan if you need to stop Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey and an Andy Reid offense how do you go about doing that don't let those guys be on the field <laughs> don't let them be on the field I mean it, it comes down to sustaining drives and sometimes your offense is the best defense against the opposing offense and it looks like a heavy, heavy dose of Travis Etienne, even mixing in some Trevor Lawrence on zone read. I mean, T-Law has shown the ability to be able to do that. Get him involved in that part of the game. Like, it, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation. So, I think offensively, you have to have more of a sense of urgency in terms of staying ahead of schedule, winning first down, that way you're in second and manageable, third and manageable, and staying on the field. That has to happen. If you do that, then you give your defense a fighting chance. And, you know, the other thing that your offense helps you do is dictate the complexion of the game. If you can get up on the Kansas City Chiefs, force them to be more one-dimensional, getting away from the running game with Isaiah Pacheco and Jerick McKinnon, I think it makes it a little bit easier for your pass rushers to heat up and your guys in your secondary to be more engaged. So I think that has to be the plan. It's easier said than done, but I think that has to be Doug Peterson's mindset. And take it from me, because he was the understudy to Andy Reid, he, he probably understands how important it is for his offense to dictate the terms in which this game is going to be played. Hey, Chris, final question. You know, here in Jacksonville, we always like to compare. Uh, and, and Trevor Lawrence, look, understanding Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow are on a pedestal. But Trevor has now beat Justin Herbert twice. And if, and it's a big if, Chris, I get it, but play along here. If Trevor goes into Arrowhead, and beats Mahomes the week after he beat Justin Herbert, 
where would Trevor be on that AFC kind of pantheon of quarterbacks? I think you would have conversations about T-Law being in the top five quarterbacks in the AFC. I think he'd, he'd be in that mix. Now, I'm not saying that he's Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, um, but, but I mean, he's right there. I mean, Josh Allen is, you know, if you look at the second half of the season, I mean, you can make an argument that T-Law's second half was a lot better than Josh Allen's second half, especially when you factor in the turnover. So, I, I mean, he, he would be in that conversation for top five quarterbacks. But I will say this, Ryan, that is a tall order to beat Pat Mahomes in the divisional round. He's never lost in the divisional round. He's never lost. His team averages 36 points a game, and he's had 12 touchdowns to no turnovers in the divisional round. That is a tall order to go on the road and beat Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid in Arrowhead in round two of the playoffs. I'm not saying it can't happen because it is the NFL, but if it does, then Trevor Lawrence is squarely in that conversation for top five quarterbacks in that conference. I agree. It's a tall order, but it's better than the alternative. And again, I just tell Jaguar fans, Chris, on Thanksgiving, you were three and seven. And now here I yep. am interviewing Chris Canty on January, what are we, 18th, 19th, and the Jaguars are getting ready for the AFC Divisional Playoff round. It has been a crazy two months. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll see if the Jaguars can go into Arrowhead and surprise a lot of people on Saturday afternoon. You see Chris Canty on ESPN, former NFL defensive lineman, was a big-time player. Chris, always appreciate the time, brother. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. All right, thanks for having me, Ryan. Enjoy the game. There you go, Chris Canty. Always appreciate him hopping on here on Hacker After Dark. And look, you know, tall order isn't the same as they can't, right? He's not saying they can't. I agree. It is a tall order. It, it You know, there there's reasons why the Chiefs are nine-point favorites. But it's like I talked about last week even before the Charger game. And the Charger game just, I mean, if you needed any more verification on who this Jaguar team is, you got it with what happened against the Chargers. People said that the Jaguars can't win true road games, hadn't won a true road game since December 2019. Well, they won four of them this year. Then it was they couldn't beat a team in the NFC. Hadn't beat a team in the NFC in like 20 tries. Well, they beat Dallas. So that streak ended. Then it was you can't win a game in Nashville. Hadn't won in Nashville since 2013. Well, they go to Nashville and they take care of the Titans. Then you can't come back from 27-10 down. Same game against Dallas, the NFC opponent. And you beat them in overtime. And do you realize when the Jaguars went to New York, they had not won a primetime game on the road in over two decades. Not won a primetime game on the road in over two decades. Well, they ended that streak. Then they won their first division in five years. And then there was no way they were going to come back from 27 nothing down against the Chargers, and they did that. So you can't say this team can't do something. Because every time you say that, they tend to prove you're wrong. And I've brought this up all week. If you're a superstitious type of person, just kind of file this away for tomorrow. Tomorrow is the five-year anniversary of Miles Jack wasn't down in Foxborough. That game was played January 21st, 2018. Tomorrow is January 21st, 2023. This season's been all about ending streaks, all about odd things happening, and wouldn't it be something 
if the Jaguars get an unbelievable win tomorrow on the five-year anniversary of maybe the toughest loss this team has had this century. Boy, a lot of things to think about going into tomorrow. In the 7 o'clock hour, Bryant McFadden, former Super Bowl winning corner with the Pittsburgh Steelers, also was a great player at Florida State. You now see him on CBS Sports HQ. He also hosts the All Things Covered podcast with Patrick Peterson. We'll talk with Bryant McFadden coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Also, Jordan Dejani, CBSSports.com, as we continue to look at every aspect of the Jaguars and the Chiefs tomorrow at Arrowhead, the AFC Divisional Playoff, a 4.30 kickoff. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL. You know it's a big game. You know it's a big moment when our guy Dan Hicken released one of his greatest hits. Dan Hicken has been doing songs for years. Some are good. Some are Dan Hicken. You judge for yourself. He released another one today, and here it is. More to do on Hacker After Dark in the 7 o'clock hour. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here we come. Uh-huh. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, teal and black, here we come. Gonna stop on down at Arrowhead and watch the Jaguars win us one. And the Jags are gonna win. The Jags are gonna win. I'll be watching Trevor. Watching Trevor sling the rock. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, you do it, 16. What a throw. I'll be watching Trevor. Watching Trevor's blowing locks. Playing loose, just being yourself in Kansas City. With my number 16 jersey, oh, the how the Chiefs are gonna talk. They're gonna shut up, too. Well, I might take a train. I might take a plane. But if I have to walk, I'm going just the same. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Hopefully ride this momentum and use this juice this week in Kansas City. Gonna cheer the Jackson Arrowhead and shout Duval when we won. Take it, Bruce! Hey, Patrick, the defense is coming. It ain't the same team you just saw. No, 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 Patrick. Hey, Andy, Doug Peterson knows you. He knows you well. Y'all better get ready. Now our defense is savage, Rayshon and Josh. Mahomes is gonna suck it. Cheats get lost. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Gonna stop on down at Arrowhead and watch the Jaguars win us one. The Jags are gonna win it! Are you kidding me? Gonna spank the Chiefs at Arrowhead and watch them cry! When it's done, those are tears, real tears. Gonna cheer the Jags at Arrowhead and shout Duval when we won. This is Hacker After Dark on 1010XL. Well into the 7 o'clock hour. We're with you till 8 o'clock tonight. Hacker After Dark, two hours earlier than normal. Blue was in on the Franzi show earlier today. 
Again, our pregame coverage tomorrow begins at 11 a.m. with the Wingstop kickoff show. Mia O'Brien, Hayes Carline, live from Kansas City. The network pregame will begin at 1.30. The game broadcast at 4.30. The network postgame till about 9.30 or so. And that's about the time we expect to do the fifth quarter tomorrow night. Leon Searcy, head coach Dave Campo, and yours truly, two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final. And if the Jaguars win tomorrow, oh boy, what a fifth quarter it should be. All right. There are three other NFL playoff games. Real quickly on those, tomorrow night, the Giants, who I guess are the other Cinderella, if you will, in the dance right now, they go to Philadelphia. Uh, boy, the Giants, the Giants took it to Minnesota. The Giants deserved to win that game last week. That was kind of surprising to me that they physically whipped the Minnesota Vikings. So the Giants got a lot of confidence. Now, they played on Sunday. They have to turn around and play on Saturday. It's been a short week for the New York Giants, and they're playing a team in Philadelphia that is very, very good. It's at night in Philly. I'm just hard-pressed to believe Daniel Jones is going to go into Philly on a Saturday night and win that football game. So give me the Eagles there on Sunday. Let's take in the NFC, Dallas at San Francisco. Boy, as much as I want to pick San Francisco to win this game, and I still might. I might change on the fly here. Are they really going to knock Dallas out two years in a row? I mean, I'm sure the Cowboys have been thinking about that loss to San Francisco for over a calendar year now. Can San Francisco really do it again? Can Brock Purdy win a playoff game against that defense? He's at home. It'll help. To me, that's one of the tougher games to pick this week. Boy, I'm really six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I will go Dallas, but I don't feel comfortable about it. Like I said, I could very easily see that game going either way. So I think it'll be Dallas and Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. Sunday at 3 o'clock, Buffalo and Cincinnati. I was all set to pick Cincinnati to win, but they're going to be down two starting offensive linemen. And they already have Lyle Collins, who's out. So three-fifths, 60% of their starting line from a month ago is not playing on Sunday. That is not a good recipe going on the road against that Bills defense. As great as Joe Burrow is and those wide receivers are, you don't have time to throw the football. It's not going to matter. Uh, I think Cincinnati's really behind the eight ball being down three offensive linemen. So I will go Buffalo to win that game. Josh Allen over Joe Burrow. And that brings me to tomorrow with the Jaguars and the Chiefs. I have gone back and forth on this all week. It would be easy for me to pick Jacksonville, right? That way I can't get ripped on social media. People can't call next week and, you know, rip me if the Jaguars uh, lose the game. So it would be easy to take the home team. And I hope the home team wins, man. I do. Some of you may not believe that, but I really do. And I'm sure I'll be, uh, you know, tweeting out my thoughts tomorrow on social media. And I know a lot of you guys get fired up about that. 
It's real-time reaction, man. That's what I love about social media. But Mahomes just doesn't lose in the divisional round of the playoffs. And not only does he not lose, he's like exceptional in the divisional round of the playoffs. Andy Reid's record after bye weeks is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It will be the happiest I've been in a long time if I get tweets tomorrow or emails or texts or whatever if the Jaguars win saying, Hacker, you were wrong. You should have believed. And I will say, you know what? You're right. And I have never been happier to be wrong. But I'm going to take the Chiefs by a field goal. 27-24, Kansas City. And I hope that everybody out there that's picking Jacksonville to win will be able to tell me I was wrong, this, that, and the other, come the fifth quarter tomorrow night. So I think it'll be Kansas City and Buffalo at the neutral site game, which, by the way, you see this story? They've already sold like 50,000 tickets to that thing in Atlanta. A lot of refunds handed out. A lot of refunds. So... If there's a questionable call or two tomorrow in the Jaguars-Chiefs or the Bengals-Bills for that matter, Jaguars and Bengals fans already have some ammunition to throw at the NFL and the refs knowing that game in Atlanta has already sold that many tickets because the only way there's a neutral site game next week is if it is the Bills and the Chiefs. But I do believe that is the direction I'm leaning along with Dallas and Philadelphia in the NFC championship game. Coming up next, Bryant McFadden, former Florida State Seminole defensive back. He won a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. We'll talk to Bryant McFadden, BMAC underscore sports talk on Twitter. You also see him all over CBS Sports HQ. We'll talk Jaguars. We'll talk Chiefs with Bryant McFadden next on a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville. We are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs Saturday at 430. You'll hear the game right here on 1010XL as the Jaguars return to the AFC divisional playoff. Let's talk to a man that knows all about the NFL playoffs. In fact, he has a Super Bowl ring on his finger from his time in Pittsburgh. That is former Florida State and former Pittsburgh Steeler DB Bryant McFadden. You hear him on the All Things Covered podcast, and he's also an analyst with CBS Sports HQ. Bryant, how we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Hey, Bryant, we're good. And as you can imagine, people here in Jacksonville are beyond good. Uh, you and I talked, what, about two months ago, and the Jaguars were in the midst of a another losing season, Bryant. It was same old, same old, but good grief. They've won seven out of eight. They've won six in a row, and now they're one of the final eight teams left in the NFL playoffs. What's been your thought on the turnaround here in Jacksonville? I mean, mostly, mostly for me, it's all about what we saw last week, uh, last Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, against the Chargers. You know, seeing the slow start, the sloppiness, in which the Jaguars displayed, you know, with the turnovers and being battle tested and not blinking and finding a way to win that ball game was super surprising because usually when you talk about playing in the playoffs and having those type of turnovers, especially early in a ball game, you don't come back from that. 
So I think when you talk about the confidence for this team, the morale, it should be at an all-time high because your back was totally against the wall and you found a way to win. So proceeding to now, the next matchup, number one, you can't have the same turnovers and expect to have the same luck you did against the Chargers, against the Chiefs, because the Chiefs, in totality, are their better team. But you should feel comfortable in where you are and understanding and knowing, yes, we found a way to win the first ball game against the Chargers. Secondly, we're going to a situation where no one actually believes in us. So we should be extremely relaxed and play Jacksonville Jaguar football. Brian, how does it happen? How does a team go from three and seven, where they lost all seven of those games by, I believe, eight points or less, to now being 10 and eight and in the AFC divisional playoffs? How, how did that turnaround happen? Playing better football. Simple. You know, everyone doing what they're supposed to do. Coaches doing what they're supposed to do as well when, in regards to preparing and getting guys to be ready to go, a sense of urgency. And I think the sense of urgency was probably one, more, one of the more uh, uh, alarming things that I saw in the turnaround because the guys played with a sense of urgency. Their hair was on mm-hmm. fire outside of playing real good, fundamentally sound football on both sides of the, on both sides of the field. Then you talk mm-hmm. about your quarterback play. I'll say this time and time again, when I'm talking football, when I'm talking expectations, when I'm talking about teams that are competitive, if you don't have a quarterback, the field field, the field seems to be 150 yards. That's how it feels when you don't have a quarterback. The biggest turnaround in regards to what we saw production wise with the Jaguars solely is about Trevor Lawrence. When your quarterback is playing exceptionally football, exceptionally good football, you're going to get good results. When your quarterback is inconsistent, you're probably going to see inconsistent results. So outside of playing good football in totality as a team, you know, the coach is doing a great job, better job in getting guys prepared with a sense of urgency. Trevor Lawrence, you know, look at what he, look at where he was in the beginning of the season when you guys were really going in the wrong direction to seeing the turnaround. You can see a major turnaround in who in who in Trevor Lawrence as an individual player. You can catch Brian McFadden on the All Things Covered podcast. You also see him as an analyst all over CBS Sports HQ. Brian, you played against some really good quarterbacks in your day. You played on Steelers teams where good quarterbacks were your teammates. You have a great eye for the quarterback position. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence. Everybody talked about generational, right? He's a generational guy, and I don't know about that, but my goodness, the last two months, he's living up to that number one pick in the draft. Exactly. And that's the thing that can be confusing with Trevor is that you don't question his talent, right, Ryan? You know he's really talented. He's aware. But when he had these oh-no moments, you're like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So for me, I would like to see Trevor stay the course of being super consistent and having us showing us glimpse of real elite-like play and then wow, what are we doing? Holding our face like Kevin and Home Alone. Kevin! You're like, what? What are we doing, right? And that's what we saw against the Chargers. That's what we saw against the Chargers. You know, we saw that quite a few to, uh, quite a few times. In that ball game, Ryan, when you was watching the game, you're like, oh, Trevor, what are you doing? And then he got you right back on his good side in the second half, right? So now when you talk about the talent, Come on, I need to see more of what we saw in the second half than the first half. Because you, as I said earlier, you cannot have the turnovers you had against the Chargers, against the Chiefs, and expect to win. So what we need to see from Trevor, consistency. When you talk about some of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, what make Pat Mahomes so special? 
you know what you're going to get from Pat Mahomes. You might have a, a rare game where he's not Pat Mahomes-ish, but it doesn't happen often. It doesn't matter who he's playing against. You're know, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. And I think Trevor Lawrence has talent, has that type of talent where he should be in that same conversation. I'm not saying conversation with Pat Mahomes. I'm saying in that conversation of as, as being a quarterback where he's consistently sound regardless of who he's playing against. A couple of more for Brian McFadden, the All Things Covered podcast. You also see him as an analyst there on CBS Sports HQ. Brian, you played for some great head coaches, man, from Bobby Bowden certainly to your NFL days with what Bill Cowher around, Mike Tomlin. I mean, you would know what good head coaches look like, what they're supposed to do. And, uh, boy, I think the Jaguars have one. Doug Peterson has been nothing short of phenomenal. When what he inherited from Urban Meyer, Bryant, to where we are now, just speak on the job that Doug Peterson has done. Man, a great job, but this is what you thought you would see from Doug Peterson in regards to structure, right? Stability, structure, guys that are prepared. You thought you would see this. When you guys made this hire, I would assume most people in Jacksonville – felt like he would provide a sense of structure. Now he's kind of exceeded the expectations because I don't think most people felt like the Jacksonville Jaguars would win their division based on what happened last year with Tennessee. And then, of course, the Colts acquiring Matthew, uh, Matt Ryan. But things happen. You took advantage of the opportunities. So, yeah, he has exceeded the expectation. And you talk about being in the second round of the playoffs. I mean, think about that. Think about if someone was to ask you this same question this time last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars, could they get to the second round of the playoffs? You're like, playoffs? <laughs> right? You, that's, that, that probably would have been, you know, what, what would have came out of your mouth. Playoffs? Really? Come on, man. We just got to we gotta, we gotta take baby steps. But when you hire Doug Peterson, a guy who has championship experience, championship pedigree, especially working hands-on with quarterbacks, he's showcased this before. So, you know, this is what you thought you would see, plus more. He's giving you more. He's giving you guys in Jacksonville a little bit more in regards to what the expectations has been. And right now, you're in it. You're in the tournament. Anything can happen. It's a Game 7 situation every time in the playoffs in regards to NFL football. So you can control you control your own destiny, and hopefully he continues to get the most out of his guys week in and week out until, you know, the final game happens. There's no doubt some strange stuff has happened this year. They go to Nashville for the first time in nine years and beat the Titans. They come back from 27-10 down to Dallas late in the third to win the game in overtime. They drive all the way down the field, go for two, and win it to beat Baltimore and then last week, the third biggest comeback in NFL postseason history to beat the Chargers. Look, I don't like the term team of destiny, but there is the term belief. And we have a couple of former players, including former head coach Dave Campo of the Dallas Cowboys that lives here locally. And they all bring up the term, Bryant, belief. If there's a belief in that locker room, that makes the Jaguars a dangerous team. I would imagine they're at the point now with everything that's transpired they just simply believe, no matter what the circumstance, they can come back and win, which probably does make them a dangerous team on Saturday. I mean, if you don't believe you can win, you're you're doing the wrong thing. That's just in life in general. For, you know, whatever it is you have to do every day, if you don't believe you can be good in doing it, you're wasting your time. So for Jacksonville, for the Jaguars, number one, the belief should automatically be be there, be present when you got into the playoffs. 
because you had an opportunity to showcase that you are deserving of being in the playoffs. Now it's about taking care of one step at a time. I go back to my rookie year. We were a sixth seed. Most teams felt, most people felt like we were an easy out in the playoffs because we were a little inconsistent throughout the regular season. But when we got into the playoffs, Ryan, as a six seed, no one believed in us. And we recognized that. We utilized that and we we used that as fuel to add to the motivational chip that we had already on our shoulder. So we walked into the first round of a game, the first round, first playoff playoff round game, we had no pressure because everybody was expecting us to lose. We would travel to Cincinnati, we beat them up, right? The second round, we go to the number one seed, I think, or the number two seed at that time, the Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning and, and a list of Hall of Famers. We beat them up. Then we go to the NFC Championship game against Denver. Well, I, th I think they were the number one seed at that time. We beat them up. So then it was like, you know what? This is who we are. So for Jacksonville, you got to believe in yourself. You have to, because I, I, I experienced it firsthand. We believed in our ability for, with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2005, 2006 playoffs. And it showed, it showed that confidence was there from start to finish. So for Jacksonville, it, it's, no, it's, no, it's not about second guessing yourself. You're here with the big dogs right now. It's your job to show up and play and perform like a big dog. Hey, Bryant, final question, man. It's a different animal this week. It's Arrowhead. It's Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid. I mean, the Jaguars know what they're going into. They were there two months ago and lost 27-17. What do the Jaguars need to do to pull off what would be considered one of the bigger upsets the NFL has seen in quite some time? Kansas City, they had three losses this year. When you look at all three losses, Ryan, they had similar themes, right? They lost to Buffalo. They lost to the Colts, and they lost to Cincinnati. All three teams ran the football well, especially Cincinnati and Buffalo. They outrushed Kansas City easily. Running the football has to be a must for Jacksonville. Travis Etienne and company, they have to take control of the ball game because teams like Kansas City, like Buffalo, even the, the Colts, they've shown that you can do that. When you do that, Ball control, you keep Pat Mahomes on the sideline, and you're wearing down their defense. Secondly, the turnover game. You have to win the turnover battle. Those three teams that I mentioned, they won the turnover battle against Kansas City. If you're able to do that, you provide extra opportunities for Trevor Lawrence and his offense, and hopefully they're able to capitalize. But my first key ingredient in regards to Jacksonville, winning this ball game, they got to run it. You got to get triple digits as a team or Travis Etienne as an individual. Somebody has to have triple digits in regards to running the football. That's that. That's and then defensively, it's about timely stops. Play what I call Ryan elbow defense. You know what elbow defense is? I do not know. Elbow defense is bend but don't break. You look at your arm. We all have an elbow, right? If you bend it, it's not breaking, but it can bend. That's what I call elbow defense. We're going to bend, but we ain't going to break. The, the bending is allowing things to happen, not allowing. But if you're giving up anything, Ryan, you're giving up things in between the 20s. But when, we, when they get into the red zone, that's when we do not break. We cannot allow them to score touchdowns. Force Jacksonville, I'm sorry, force Kansas City to settle for field goals. If you win that game defensively for Jacksonville in the red zone, you're going to be in a position to win the game outright. 
I understand you're playing against Pat Mahomes, prolific, Andy Reid, prolific. These guys are some of the best in the world at what they do. We understand that. So, yes, one would think they're probably going to be successful, productive. That's okay. That's a part of the beast. You're playing good on good. It happens. But when they get into the red area, this is where we got to play our best football. If that happens, Jacksonville, welcome to the AFC Championship game. The man knows what he's talking about. Brian McFadden's got a Super Bowl ring on his finger. You see him on CBS Sports HQ. Hey, Brian, I tell you this every time, man. Love the podcast. All things covered. What's coming up on the next couple of episodes, and where can people find it? Man, listen, man. My podcast, All Things Covered, I do with my uh, co-host and my cousin, Pat Peterson. Unfortunately for them, they had an early exit in the playoffs, so we will recap that loss uh, by the hands of the New York Giants. Get a chance to tap in what Pat P was next. He likes to, he would like to continue to play a few more years in the National Football League. Had a real good year this year. Led the team with five interceptions and PBUs as well. Uh, see what's next with him. And then, of course, you know, just getting ready for the playoffs, talking some little fo- football and other things. That's why it's called All Things Covered, because we cover everything. We love it. Brian McFadden, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL in Jacksonville. Brian, know you're busy, man. Thank you for the time. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you for having me, Ryan. There you go. Brian McFadden, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Certainly appreciate his perspective. Run the ball. Keep Mahomes on the sideline, short passing game, long extended drives, shorten this game. Game tomorrow needs to be a two-hour and 45-minute game. Don't try to outscore these guys. You got to keep them on the sideline. You got to keep that clock moving. To me, that's the best chance the Jaguars have to pull off the upset. Jordan DeJani, CBSSports.com, covering the National Football League. He's coming up next. A reminder, after we're done at 8 o'clock, my man Ron Compton, Compton and Company. They'll have you from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock this evening here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM as our local coverage continues. With Dylan Denmark, the Hacker Ryan Green with you on a Friday night edition of Hacker After Dark in Jacksonville. We're glad you're with us. Back here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM in the city of Jacksonville, we are glad you are with us. The Jaguars and the Chiefs tomorrow, 4.30 in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City in the AFC Divisional Playoff. Of course, you'll hear the game right here on 1010XL with Frank Frangi on the call alongside Tony Baselli and Jeff Lagerman. Let's go to a man that's talked to us many times this year on 1010XL. He covers the National Football League for CBS Sports. Our buddy Jordan DeJani, always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Jordan, how we doing, man? Hey, hey, what's going on, my friend? Happy Divisional Weekend. It is time to establish our NFL Final Four. Jordan, we're kind of pinching ourselves here in Jacksonville from 3-7 and seven on Thanksgiving to the AFC Divisional Playoff in late January. It's been a while since you and I chatted. What's been your assessment of how the Jaguars got here? It's been so exciting, and I don't think there's one thing or one player you can directly point to for this turnaround. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has overall been playing great ball. Travis Etienne's running the ball efficiently as well. We know what some of these wide receivers are capable of. But, you know, I also look at the defense. Uh, we, we, we can point back to that defensive touchdown that they scored against the Tennessee Titans in that win and you're in regular season finale in front of a raucous fan base. The defense, in my opinion, has been playing great ball, and I think the pass rush has been there as well. That's been something that stuck out to me. But, man, it's pretty interesting. Of course, the Jaguars and Chiefs met in Week 10 earlier this year, 
Believe it or not, the Jaguars and Chiefs have the same exact record since that Week 10 meeting. I'm excited for this AFC showdown. Jordan, what can you say to the job Doug Peterson has done here? From everything he had to clean up from the mess last year and, and starting 3-7 and seven and, and keeping the guys believing and now here to this point, uh, boy, I don't know if he's going to win Coach of the Year, Jordan, but, but I'm hard-pressed to find a guy that has done a better job amidst the circumstances. Yeah, i got to be honest. I think it's a storyline that we haven't paid enough attention to. I'm sure that everybody on national broadcasts has said in passing, you know, Doug Peterson's done a great job. But, I mean, let's look at what he's really had to do. Not only did he have to get a football team that hasn't won many games back into the win column, but he also had to come in and in his first year in a new situation, set up a culture in the locker room and on the field and set the precedent for an organization as a whole. And he's been successful in doing that. And he's gotten better. His team has gotten better as the regular season has worn on. So, yeah, I would 100% agree that he should be in the race for Coach of the Year. Jordan DeJani, CBSSports.com. Jordan, Trevor Lawrence, also the big story. I mean, four first half interceptions last week I, I most quarterbacks would would go you know crawl up into a ball or just want to get out of there as quick as possible and all he does in the last 28 minutes of the game is organize one of the biggest comebacks in the history of the National Football League playoffs uh, what's your thought on Trevor I mean, seriously, have we ever seen this before in the NFL? A quarterback who looks like he needs to be benched turns it around and is almost flawless in the second half. Four straight touchdown drives, if we include that last one in the second quarter. Five straight scoring drives, including the game-winning field goal. I don't know if we've seen this kind of level of mental toughness from a young quarterback ever in NFL history. And I'd have to go back and look at different examples, but I was absolutely blown away with what Trevor Lawrence was able to accomplish. Cause as you mentioned, any other normal quarterback would crawl into a ball. If I was playing intramural football and I threw four first half interceptions, I know I would. That's pretty incredible for a quarterback to come back out in the second half in front of his home fans after a terrible first half and absolutely ball out and finish the job, not only making the game interesting, but leading the game winning drive as well. I think Jaguars fans should be absolutely ecstatic with what they have from Trevor Lawrence. Sure, he's definitely shown shades of a franchise quarterback over the course of this season, but that mental toughness, that's something that you almost can't teach. So people should be excited for him moving forward. A couple of more for Jordan DeJani of CBSSports.com. Jordan, I look at Trent Baalke, the Jaguar general manager, and the offseason additions, and literally every one of these guys, from Christian Kirk to Zay Jones to Evan Ingram, Brandon Scherf, Foye Luikan, Fadakasi, Darius Williams. I mean, not just average players, Jordan, vital players to where the Jaguars are right now. Uh, Trent Baalke hit an absolute home run with last year's free agent class. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a really good point. All these guys are playing such important roles for this team. And this Jaguars team wouldn't be where they are this weekend without each each one of those guys. And, you know, the one thing that I'll point to is the work he did on the offensive side of the ball. Some of the names that you mentioned, your top four leaders in scrimmage yards this season did not play for the Jaguars last year. One is Travis Etienne, who missed due to injury. But Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, I think those guys are going to be the key to an upset win 
this week in Arrowhead. The Jaguars are need, to, are need to keep up on the scoreboard. They need to move the ball down the field. They need to score points. Those wide receivers, the passing game, the young quarterback Trevor Lawrence, that's going to be absolutely paramount moving the ball and scoring points against the Chiefs this weekend if the Jaguars want to advance to the AFC Championship game. Jordan, why is the Kansas City offense statistically better without Tyreek Hill? You know, it's very weird. They're playing a different kind of ball. You know, when you looked at how to contain the Chiefs in years past, they used to be playing straight up with two high safeties, basically forcing Mahomes to beat you without sending extra guys. But He's really adjusted this season. His average pass length of 7.24 yards, that marked the lowest in his career, yet he's still an MVP candidate. I mean, there's been some there's peaks and valleys and ups and downs when it comes to the Chiefs' regular season as a whole. But I'm looking at some of the other guys, the lesser-known lesser names that have made big plays and stepped up when their number's been called. I think Travis, Travis Kelsey – continuing to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL has definitely helped this offense as well. They're scheming differently. They've operated differently. They're getting the ball out quickly as well. Um, obviously, the loss of Tyree Kill is a big one, but at the same time, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are two of the best in the business, and they've been able to maintain success. Final moments here with Jordan DeJani of CBSSports.com. Jordan, it's not rocket science, man. I've been saying all week, all you got to do is look at the games the Chiefs have lost this year, right? the Bengals, the Bills, and the Colts. And all three teams that beat them ran the ball for either substantial yardage or ran the ball a lot. The Colts didn't gain a lot, but they ran it like 30 times. So you got to run the ball. I mean, as great as Trevor's been in that passing game, ETN, Jamichael Hasty, maybe a little Jamal Agnew in the backfield, Snoop Connor, even Trevor on some RPO stuff, you got to run the ball. You got to get that clock moving to keep Mahomes and crew off the field. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, Travis Etienne is an up-and-coming star in this league, in my opinion. And he's somebody that you're definitely going to have to rely on um, this weekend. But I'll even take it further. You point to the run game as something that absolutely needs to be there this weekend. I actually look at the offensive line, both carving um, running pass for the running backs, but also pass blocking as well. If you contain Chris Jones, Frank Clark, some of those pass rushers, if that offensive line for the Jaguars wins the battle in the trenches, that's going to give Jacksonville a great chance of winning this game. Jordan, who wins? Jacksonville, Kansas City. I think it's. I think everybody that I've talked to, at least this week, expects it to be close, a majority obviously taking the Chiefs. What's your thought when it's all said and done? So the Jaguars are 8-5 and five as an underdog this season. That's tied for the most wins by any team since 1970, including in the playoffs. Doug Peterson's been successful in the postseason as well. He's 5-1 and one straight up and 6-0 and oh against the spread as a playoff underdog. At the same time, Andy Reid has never lost a playoff matchup against a former assistant. He's 4-0 and oh in said matchups. You know, I think I'm going to take the points with the Jaguars. I think 8.5 points for the spread is a pretty inflated number. Um, but I, 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 it's hard to pick against the Kansas City Chiefs in this spot. They're the number one seed for a reason. The Jaguars are a great story. I'm going to pick the game to be close, but I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. However, I will leave you with this tidbit. Remember last year, the number one seed acquiring that in the NFC and AFC didn't exactly pay dividends. The Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans were upset in the divisional round their first playoff action. So the Jaguars definitely have some momentum going for themselves since they pulled off that incredible comeback and they've already played a playoff game. Maybe the Chiefs are, don't exactly hit the ground running in the postseason. 
It's a good thought. Again, the Jaguars coming in on a six-game winning streak. Jordan DeJani, CBSSports.com, does a terrific job covering the National Football League, and he's always kind enough to join us here on 1010XL. Jordan, appreciate the time. Let's enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Appreciate it. And thank you to Jordan DeJani, CBSSports.com, for joining us tonight here on Hacker After Dark. And that'll just about do it for what has been a crazy busy show and a crazy busy week here on Hacker After Dark. Boy, that's what happens when the Jacksonville Jaguars are in the AFC Divisional Playoff for only the fifth time in franchise history, 1996, 1999, 2007, 2017, and now here in 2022 slash 2023. Thank you to Jordan DeJani again of CBSSports.com. Thank you to Chris Canty, former NFL defensive lineman. You now see him on ESPN. Thank you to Bryant McFadden, BMAC underscore sports talk on Twitter. He hosts the All Things Covered podcast. He's also a big part of CBS Sports HQ and former Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts all joined us tonight to preview the Jaguars and the Chiefs, and we thank each and every one of them. We will be back tomorrow on the fifth quarter. Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, former Pro Bowl offensive tackle of the Jaguars, Leon Searcy, and myself will have the fifth quarter for you two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final. We're expecting to come on right about 9.30-ish tomorrow night. And good grief, if we are talking about a victory, how much fun that fifth quarter program will be. Dylan Denmark was your producer tonight. Dylan, great job as always. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. And Jacksonville, thank you for spending part of your Friday evening with us right here on Hacker After Dark on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. So for all of us here on HAD, have an absolutely terrific evening. Let's go Jaguars. Enjoy the ball game tomorrow, and I will talk with you on the fifth quarter tomorrow night here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Until then, good night, Jacksonville.